boys and girls and men and women should not feel shame over their bodies. They should be taught Genesis 1 and they should be taught, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have had some struggles with mental illness and I told my mom recently, I just wish I wasn't wired like this. And she said, son, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, that was our guest today, Landon McDonald. I'm excited for this conversation because it's around purity, culture, and sexuality. And uh, before we get to that, if we've never met before, my name is David. I'm the host of the Make Way Podcast, and I'm super stoked about today's conversation that you've been checking in, you clicked on it, you downloaded it, you sent it to a friend. Um, it's just so great to be able to have conversations with people and dive into hot topic moments and our cultural moment. And today, like you've already heard, we have Landon McDonald on the podcast to talk about sexuality and purity culture. Landon, he jokes around about this, that he talks about sex a lot, maybe because people don't want to talk about it, so they bring him in. But he's a pastor from the desert of Phoenix. He is a husband. He is a father. And uh, he's passionate about his family, but he's also passionate about teaching the Bible. He went to Moody Bible Institute. You can find him on YouTube by searching uh, Pastor Landon. And uh, he loves teaching the Bible on hot, hot topic and cultural moments where it brings clarity and depth and understanding to what we're going through and what the Bible says about life and faith. Hey, if you are new today, I just want to let you know that this is such a great time to be part of the podcast and listening because our goal at the podcast is to provide a space for people to find community. So I love asking this question, will you join this community? Because this community of people will commit to exploring what it means to love, to care, to influence our world where we lift people up rather than tearing them down. People can't live without meaning or purpose or a sense of having one another in our lives. The secular world can't seem to offer that. I know I've tried searching for it, but it always left me feeling dry. So I really do ask you, will you join me in a time where community community might be one of the most important things that you're ever part of creating? Because this podcast is going to shine light on the voices that are doing that. I love sitting down for coffee with people and picking their brains about what they're passionate about. And there's a lot of incredible, incredible people doing a lot of amazing things with their lives where it's influencing the people around them. And today we've got Landon McDonald and he is definitely one of those people that is championing the influence that God has given him. And I'm so grateful for his wisdom and his leadership around this topic of sexuality and purity culture. So I hope you have an incredible time listening to this. And if you love it, share it with a friend. Enjoy. Well, today we've got Landon McDonald on the podcast. Buddy, how's it going? Good, good. Canadians use the word buddy a lot, don't they? If for me, it is buddy, dude, guy. Um, hey, I like bud, to roll through the three. Uh, but I got to finish up my Timmy's, then we'll step outside and smoke a dart. <laughs> there will be no dart smoking on this podcast, but I know a bunch of buddies that would be like, yeah, let's record the podcast and go have a dart, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so good, man. How, you've been doing well. What's going on in life for you? Doing all right. Working on some content, working on some sermons and all the things that pastors do. Had an early meeting this morning, working on some problems with uh, some sort of children's Christmas party that they need help on and all of the fun stuff. I spent my morning 
sending out information to all the people that are coming to this youth conference I run in February in Phoenix. And, um, you know, you're a pastor. You like, at the end of the day, your wife's like, what'd you do today? You're like, I kind of did three things. I kind of did 70 things. Two of them were incredible. The rest were okay. And I love God and let's go to bed. And a lot of them were annoying. So, (laughs) but you just push through. (laughs) It's so good, dude. That's awesome. I'm so glad that we get to do this conversation, have this conversation, um, because I've been tracking with you for a little bit, a lot more intensely lately, because um, you're one of the amazing friendly faces on Theosophy with Nathan Finocchio. I should say the Finocchio brothers, Gabriel and Nathan. That's right. uh, Wild uh, men. They are wild men. How how do you handle those two? You don't. That's the mistake. You don't, you don't handle them. You set them off, see what happens and watch. (laughs) And hit record. (laughs) Yeah. You just enjoy it. That's so good, dude. I love that. I can't wait to one day maybe do that to them. If we get in the same room, set them off and just watch them go at it. And uh, it's not hard. It's not hard. It doesn't look hard. But today, dude, uh, let's get into our conversation. Let's do it. Because um, tracking with you lately, I've noticed that um, you are a person, a pastor, uh, a human being that likes to be edgy with hot topic moments. You, uh, before we even recorded this, you're like, you know what? Like, I, I don't mind having good conversations. I don't mind having edgy conversations is what I kind of got from our conversations to getting to know each other before. I don't and, even know if I like it, but just people always ask me to have them. I feel like maybe every it just time attracts I get, to you. I feel like every time I get asked to speak somewhere, they're like, hey, do you want to talk about sex? And I'm like, oh, okay, so this is the thing you don't want to talk about. And, <laughs> and then I'm like, what is it about me? What, like what, how could you look at me as a human person and think there's a person who should be talking about sexuality? (laughs) That is a great segue into my first question, man. (laughs) But that's, that's seriously why I wanted to have you on because you've got this incredible course on Theosu around purity culture. And um, before we get into that actual lane of purity culture, um, and I've talked to a lot of people before this podcast about, okay, I can't wait to hear this conversation with someone that has done some more study by it, um, who's maybe grown up through it, who has maybe a heart for it or against it. Um, and before we get to the purity culture lane, I do want to talk about sexuality in a way of why do you think um, Christians, Christ followers, disciples of Jesus have done such a terrible job on teaching about sexuality. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's a hit and miss. Maybe we've done a really good job in some areas we've done really bad where like you said, like, like you kind of hinted at, like some people just don't want to talk about it. So maybe that's doing damage in a way that is not helpful. Yeah. I think that I don't think people have done a bad job teaching on it. I think people have done a good job on making sure that people understand a general biblical Christian ethic, which is important Mm -hmm. and clear in the Bible. Um, I think that a lot of the criticisms of the nuances as it pertains to the way other people are wired or have developed sexually and how that does and doesn't affect them, I think those criticisms are very valid. I think that a lot of it stems from this weird desire that I can't quite understand 
which is to make people that aren't followers of Jesus agree with your sexual ethic. That makes no sense to me. I would never expect a person on the street to have the same sexual ethic as me on any level in any way. I don't understand how people who don't follow Jesus even cognitively, functionally have a sexual ethic because I, I just, I don't understand that worldview at all. Mm. And uh, God bless all of those people. But to me, I would never expect anything. I would, the only reason that I believe all the things I believe is because I know Jesus and mm -hmm. Jesus commands this wonderful uh, way of living sexually. And so to me, it's like, I don't, I don't understand why people in Congress who aren't Christians or whatever they have in Canada, I don't know why we think those people should think that homosexuality is wrong or think that uh, it should be one man and one woman for life or whatever. I don't understand that. I also don't understand why in Christian school settings, we assume or expect that every person that's there is like ready to dive into this. And they're all about this like abstinence life. I don't yeah. understand why people think that. I mean, I've been a youth pastor for 15 years. A lot of the students don't think that and mm -hmm. profess faith in Christ and don't understand why those two things don't work together. And yeah. Hmm. So there's a lot going in your mind of, or in your heart about, okay, like let's look at people that don't have the same faith beliefs as us. And why are we portraying or projecting things on them that they don't even really probably worry about? Yeah. I don't even know to a certain extent how much I believe in legislating righteousness. I mean that we're not, we're not Israel. So I don't think we should try not to do it. I don't think we should mm. vote against righteousness by all means. I, I love voting for righteousness and I love any time there's a candidate that's talking about righteousness that I can vote for. But I don't, I, I read the minor prophets and I read the, the eschatology of Jesus. And I'm just like, why do you think that the world's going to get better and better? Mm. Why do you think that? That isn't what they thought. So to me, it's like strengthening the core of the church and strengthening the core of believers. Hmm. And, and that to me is extremely exciting. Um, whereas the other part just doesn't, it's not even that I don't think that it's a good idea. It's that I don't think that it works. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So why don't you give us, because it, because you're new to the podcast, I've got a lot of listeners that are Christ followers and a lot of listeners that are kind of exploring the Christian faith. Maybe on the fringe, they would kind of probably describe themselves. Can you give us um, a mm -hmm. short picture or, 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 or a big picture, a small picture, or a big picture of what the biblical view on sexuality actually is? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the biblical view of sexuality is is that okay some sort of noise you're all good it's the devil he doesn't want us to talk about this um the biblical view the general biblical premise of sexuality is righteousness is mm. doing things the way that god designed you to do um, them in the way that god designed them but the main mechanism and device of teaching that has been in the avenues I've been in and the abstinence conversations I was in and the 
purity culture meeting I was forced to go to, the main mechanism of bringing about the righteousness of God has been prevention, which means Mm -hmm. how can we stop people from doing things that they want to do? So the world's mechanism of prevention is condoms because they're the only thing they're trying to stop is, you know, there's a lot of things they're trying to stop, but that would be an example of prevention. The, the Christian or purity culture prevention is uh, a device of, and now I'm kind of straying from your question, but I I have to say this to to explain my answer is uh, the, the, the purity culture device of prevention is guilt, um, shame, and control Mm. and none of those things are biblical and none of those things bring about the righteousness of god in the incredible Mm. area of sexuality jesus does not talk about prevention he talks about redemption Mm. the bible and i'm not saying you should never do anything to prevent anything i'm not saying like you should go as a single man and sit in a strip club like that's not wise yeah. So don't like take what I'm saying, bring it to the furthest extent and then like shoot it. That's, that's scarecrow. That, that's lame. But what I am saying is, is that what I see in the Bible is a grouping of people who have failed. Samson, Abraham, mm-hmm. David, all of these people were massive, massive sexual screw ups. Mm-hmm. And me, I made a ton of mistakes in this area when I was in high school and when I was in college. And I'm the furthest thing from perfect, which is why I don't even like always talking about this because I look at my life before I met my wife and I'm just like, whatever. But I, what happens in the Bible is redemption. Mm -hmm. It is Psalm freaking 51. It is look at this sinner and look at the grace of God. Look at the magnificent power of God for this man who's married five people. Look at Song of Solomon, which I believe was written at the end of Solomon's life. He's presumably had sex with, I mean, you'd assume that he had sex with all of his wives. We don't know that for sure. He definitely had sex with many of them. So he probably had more than 100 sexual partners, possibly more than 500, which is a staggering amount of partners. Mm-hmm. And he wrote something about sexuality that the Holy Spirit wrote through this sinner. Mm-hmm. The winds of the Holy Spirit in the sails of a complete failure. Yeah. And so that is, that's what I see. So when I see people being like, sign this purity pledge, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what does that even mean? Like, if that was so important, why wouldn't that be in the Bible? Why wouldn't Jesus have done that with his teenage male disciples? Instead, he said, hey, there are things that cause you to sin. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. He assumes it's already happened. He, he knows. But from a, uh, the standpoint of a communicator, of, of a communicator he, he assumes that it's already happened. And I just see all of this beautiful redemption an invitation into grace, Mm. and then it doesn't stop there. Then an invitation into holiness and living a real sexual ethic and having boundaries and living in righteousness and holiness, not for any reason other than you love Jesus and the Holy Spirit is leading you to do that. So that was a very long answer, but that's the way I see it in Mm -hmm. scripture. 
So you're seeing the redemption of what the Holy Spirit does in someone's life is literally takes them and shows like, no, 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 it's, it's not prevention. It's actually the redemption story of who you are, even though you've messed up, you screwed up. Yeah. Well, Jesus says that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, then you've committed adultery. Mm-hmm. So by the scale of Jesus, I have not ever met a man or woman who've ever, who, who have ever said that they've never done that. Yeah. I've never met a person who's said, I've never lusted. Maybe there's a person out there saying that. I've never met them. Um, so by the scale of Jesus, everyone who is alive has at one point been an adulterer. For most of us, dozens and hundreds of times when we were in our teenage years and blah, 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 blah. So all that to say, when you start from there, then the invitation into when you really see who you really are Mm -hmm. and then God's invitation rather away from you or being disappointed in you when you failed, you've broken the seventh commandment repeatedly rather than running away from you. He runs to you and welcomes you into Mm. a new life. That's the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. And this is the message that we have to get out to all of the people who are addicted to pornography and are addicted to sexuality and are addicted to Tinder and all of these things that are mechanisms of evil and the distortion of the beautiful gift that God has given to us and the fact that God in his grace would look at sinners like me. And I feel no obligation to say that. It's just, it's just true. It's just true that God has invited me into this grace that's, that's what I want to teach people because that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. So let's transition our conversation to purity culture. Okay. Um, because, and I think I want to go back to a few things that you've said, um, but I think it's important to transition to purity culture because um, I, I, I've got people in my family. I've got people that are um, a little bit older than me. I was born in the early 90s. Um, so purity culture, there was, there was hints of it as I was growing up. I was never pulled into a room and just given the purity culture kind of like talk. Um, maybe <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, but can you describe the depth of purity culture, the movement of it? Why did people think it was essential? What, like, what was the destructive patterns of it? If there were any, um, because sure. obviously you're passionate about it or getting people to know um, the redemption story. I don't know. I just, I'm happy to teach on what people ask me to teach on. So it seems like I often get asked to teach on this, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like the thing I wake up in the morning thinking about. I wake up in the morning (laughs) thinking about the Bible and how to teach people the Bible. And this is part of the Bible. But yeah, um, my parents taught me really well about sexuality. When I was like 10 or 11, they took me by like a river, And they brought this book that they had, and it was about God's amazing plan and design for the sexual organs of men and women. And it was great. And I loved it. I loved learning about it. I mean, I felt awkward as a kid. I didn't love it then, but looking back now, (laughs) yeah, which is normal. But looking back now, I just, I'm so glad that they taught me from this perspective of the male and female bodies are amazing. Mm. They're amazing. And that, that's so freaking true. This is why it's wild to me that Christians are like, oh, don't show the statue of David in a Christian yeah. school. <laughs> like, well, that's like one of the greatest works of art in the history of the world. 
So what are men, what are young men supposed to feel like when you say you don't want to show the statue of David in school, that there's something wrong with their sexual organ? What are women supposed to feel like that they're like about to lust after some sculpture? It just, it, it makes, it doesn't, it isn't, re, it isn't represent, it isn't a representation of real reality as if every single one of those teenagers doesn't have a device in their pocket that can access thousands of way hundred X worse images and videos within 30 seconds. So purity culture, I think it is a good idea that what was mostly poorly executed and I would never cast judgment on an entire movement because that's not a good thing to do. And I would never cast judgment on individual people. And to the best of my ability, I'm, uh, what it basically is, is it's this idea that sexual education should happen in Christianity, which is a good idea. Mm. We need to be telling people as Christians, for those of us that are listening that are Christians, we should be teaching people what we believe. That's a good thing. Mm. Then the second part was, you know, the only place that they should be getting this shouldn't be the public school. That also is a good thing. You know, I don't want people, I want, I learn from non-Christians all the time. I listen to podcasts and watch psychologists. I was listening to a non-Christian psychologist on the way to work this morning and I learned a lot. But as it pertains to spiritual things, that, that isn't a thing that I think is good. And they were right on that. And I think that the way that they went about that is unfortunate in my experience, which is a ton of like abstinence events that do not focus on how beautiful and wonderful sexuality is and mostly focus on how you shouldn't do it and how you're pretty much always about to do it, which makes boys and girls feel awkward with each other, which is a mistake. Uh, it makes teenage boys feel awkward around women, which is a mistake. Men need to be taught to be comfortable and um, brave and kind and gentle in their in their numerous friendships with women, which should exist uh, when you're developing as a person. Um, and then it kind of just like a lot of things became this like monetized thing. So there's like all these books and all these purity rings and all these pledges and all these things. And I think books are great and I think content is great, but it just is the way that all of those things go. It gets, it's like Christian contemporary music. There's like Keith Green and Amy Grant and their albums are amazing. Yeah. And there's like 200,000 compact discs full of garbage and people are like honing in on a market or whatever. And that is unfortunate. And even the guy that wrote the biggest one came back later and said he didn't even functionally believe in what he wrote anymore. And so the idea of saving yourself for marriage is a very good idea. The idea of doing that to appease someone else is obviously a bad idea. The idea that there's two classes of Christians that are single, the ones that are virgins and the ones that aren't is an extremely bad idea. Um, a human being making people feel guilt and shame over their sin and over their body is a very bad and destructive idea. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit causing people to feel guilt about their sin is obviously incredible, mm -hmm. but we are not the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah. Now, does that mean we shouldn't teach in a way that makes people feel guilt? Absolutely not. We should teach the truth, but the Holy Spirit is the one that brings the guilt to people. And um, men, boys and girls and men and women should not feel shame over their bodies. They should be taught Genesis 1 and they should be taught, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Huh. I have had some struggles with mental illness and I told my mom recently, I just wish I wasn't wired like this. And she said, Son, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is a foundational truth. And if when you're teaching about sexuality, you don't teach the foundational truths, which is that God did a good job when he made you. He did a good job. Mm -hmm. He did. He did a good job. Yeah. He could have done it differently, but he didn't. He made you very well. And he said, behold, man and woman is very good. And these are just foundational truths that people need to learn all of the time. And then on top of that, the forced obedience doesn't work. No. <laughs> it doesn't work. So I referenced all of these studies in the course, mm -hmm. and I don't have them here, but you can look them up. Numerous studies have proven basically what happens is a bunch of people go to a, an abstinence thing, they make a pledge, and... Um, then they are white knuckling, making themselves not sin, which is not righteousness and is not yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit. And then one day they're like 19 and they go to like nine strip clubs and get hammered. And I have no judgment on that. God can forgive every single person. He has forgiven mm -hmm. me for all the stupid things I've done. I have no judgment on you. What I do have is an incredible amount of compassion for people who've been taught, you can sanctify yourself by trying harder. That's wow. not true. That does not work. You can't stop watching pornography because you try harder. You can make yourself not do it for like two months and then you can have the worst weekend of your life. This is what happens to people. Yeah. Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies you and redeems you. And the act of living in purity is not an act of trying really hard. It's an act of surrender and the mm. Holy Spirit leads you. Then in the power of the Holy Spirit, you very deliberately do and don't do things. That was a very long answer. I love that. Seriously, it's, there's many moments where you could probably tweet it. You could probably snip it up and put it into an Instagram reel. But I, I love that go back to the foundation because so so many of us like and myself included as a human being as a, as a husband as a man as an individual that is going through life i sometimes need to be reminded of foundation that i am wonderfully made fearfully and wonderfully made in a way where god didn't mess up making me he says like we're, we're very good and i think for a lot of people that maybe are listening to this podcast that the struggle with identity it comes to sexuality, it comes to your job, it comes to everything. And if you can just remember that, like God placed you in this space for a reason, and you can go back to that foundation, I think that would, I think that would be a great step for many people to understand, okay, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Like, let's not always just like, just try to chop off the tree and, and replant another tree. Like, no, let's, let's go back to the root system of where this all came from. And, and I love that. And, and did I catch that kind of right? Like the, the beginning part? 
Okay, cool. Absolutely. And it's just, God has told us who we are. So why would we not focus on that? Why would we not hold that in our heart? Why would we not embrace that and think about that and take joy in that? Mm -hmm. There isn't another being on earth other than man and woman who can make that claim. Wow. Purity. Let's open up that a little bit because you talked about how Holy Spirit actually um, does that process of, of making us pure, making us um, claimed by God. And I, I put that in claimed. Um, you didn't say that. But um, can you talk about purity and what the Bible talks about? You've mentioned Psalm 51, which is this repentance. Um, what, what does the Bible teach about purity in a moment that is obviously written then, but is also written for now as well? Yeah, certainly. Um, the Bible teaches from cover to cover that God designed man and woman for each other, which you can tell by understanding their organs and how he made them. Hmm. And God designed us for that. God designed us to live in purity, which is not a popular word, but it's used all throughout the Psalms. Uh, Asaph said in Psalm 73, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Hmm. Um, Proverbs says, all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the... So why don't we use that word very often, though? Why is it like a buzzword it, in a way? Because it's co-opted. Co People don't want to use it, um, which is, I get it. Um, and that's the, that's the gospel is that we are pure, uh, made pure. We are defiled by our own sin and by Satan. And then we are brought back and restored to a place of righteousness and purity. In fact, the Bible uses the idea of sexuality as a picture of righteousness repeatedly. That's what the first three chapters of the book of Hosea are about. Mm -hmm. They're about the fact that the people of Israel were so, um, horrible that God chose to use a prostitute as a picture of them. Um, he said, this is you, um, which is rough, mm -hmm. which is rough. If you can imagine a pastor loading his people onto a bus, taking them down to the red light district, pointing out some poor woman, God bless her and saying, Hey guys, that's you. Mm -hmm. That's what God did to them. And God, you know, obviously created sexuality and used this as his, one of his premier images. And that's the premier image then comes to completion when we learn that uh, Jesus is the groom and the church of Jesus Christ is the bride. And there is a level of purity and intimacy that uh, God is talking about there, which is really something. As far as what the New Testament talks about, you know, um, Galatians talks about the flesh versus the spirit, which is probably the best teaching, the easiest teaching to understand, certainly, of sanctification. Thessalonians talks about sanctification. And um, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> it's like purity, that word needs like a, a redemption as well with proper teaching around it to understand the actual beauty within seeing yourself as pure, seeing yourself um as being sanctified in that moment yeah. that's cool yeah it is and that's what you know what was going on with david in psalm 51 after he 
slept with Bathsheba and killed her husband, um, which is pretty dark for a man after God's own heart. If that happened today, if that happened today, people would rip his Psalms out of the Bible and canceled. Uh, canceled. Like, I don't know. I don't know about these 73. Um, and he said in Psalm 51, he said, um, purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Mm-hmm. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. So this, this guy who totally screwed up believed and saw that God would make him and restore him to a place of purity again. Hyssop is a thing from Leviticus 14, which is how you would clean a house from mold. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. He's like, I am moldy and gross. Wow, what a picture. But he believed that God could make him clean. And that's really the thing. You have to have both. You have to have the sinner and the saint. I was just listening to this uh, Pete Scazzaro podcast about sinner and sainthood yesterday, and it was right on. And you have to see that in these theological topics, sexuality, we are all sinners and sexuality. We all can be made into saints. And it seems like it's easier to just hold one of those things, but it's necessary to hold them both. Mm. Mm. Wow. How does the how does the church start transitioning? Because you you mentioned um, at the beginning of the conversation that you seem to get asked to talk about sex and sexuality a lot, and maybe other people are just like, "Oh, I just don't want to talk about this." So we'll get landed in or whatever. Mm-hmm. How does the church start? stepping into these moments around these hot topics because there's a lot of hot topics right now obviously theos you does an incredible job of highlighting them and teaching through them and you did a fantastic job on purity culture how yeah what what are the action steps for churches right now that are are sensing this this hunger and this depth of understanding around not just love grace and mercy um, and that's what redemption is. It's a redemption story of Jesus actually showing love, grace, and mercy to a broken people group. Um, but how does the church start stepping into these moments and teaching um, depth and understanding for people? Because there's a lot of hurt people about it. When What's unfortunate to me noticing this is that a lot of hurt people are walking away from church and are even done maybe looking at or studying and start researching on what does this actually mean for me? Why have I been hurt by this? Yeah. Um, I think for Pastors, I think pastors are good at this. I think they understand, like, if there's something in culture that's really twisted, we should teach on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that teaching on it, teaching on things like you would teach on something that you struggled with. So when you talk about homosexuality, talking about it like you would talk about it if you'd struggled with it, which I'm sure many of them have, but most of them have not, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, And then for individual people, I think it's just a walk with the Holy Spirit of redemption, of letting go, of a chosen identity, of an authority of the sons and daughters of God who do not live in shame or guilt. They live in freedom and redemption. 
And that's not because of anything in us. That's because of the blood of Christ. Learning the authority that you have in Christ over the world, learning the fact that God offers complete and unilateral redemption, which we believe functionally and we tell others, but we don't always apply to our own sin um, because it's hard. It's really hard to let go of the ways that you've messed up as a person and to recognize that God doesn't look at you like that because you've been forgiven. That's a lifelong process. That's a lifelong teaching to come back to and believe. And it's incredibly powerful. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sensing inside of myself and just the pictures of people's faces coming into my mind around the, the depth of hurt or the pain or even their choice making that has um, really set them off about the whole Christian faith. Are, are you noticing that through through time and, and as a pastor and, and being a youth pastor for what, like 15 years, are you noticing that the students or the young adults that are part of these ministries, are you seeing that they're more hurt by things than finding joy? Or are you seeing the opposite? Are you finding that there's more joy in the depth, in the realm of where you're, where you're leading at? Um, I think the students I led that were part of my generation felt a lot of the same things I did, which is a lot of, you know, confusion and, and guilt. And there's that with a lot of topics. I think these newer students, I don't understand them. I'm trying to, they're amazing. I don't, I don't understand them. They're dating a lot less. They're dating almost not at all. And, um, Cool. I, I don't care. I think dating's kind of dorky anyway. They're they're it's clunky. Um, they're I don't I don't understand them. So I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm trying my best, and I don't mean I don't understand them. I should understand them. They're bad for me to understand them. I just mean I think they're great, and I'm trying to get a read on it. So mm-hmm. I think that they're a lot more uh, able than maybe some previous generations, including mine, to just be able to say like, I'm confused on this. Why is this the way that it is? And that aspect of things I really like mm-hmm. everybody at their core has the same need, which is they need the clear teaching of the Bible. Um, and they need the love of God. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is a question that's just coming to me. Say there's, there's a, a young parent listening to this podcast and this conversation, what would your advice be raising a young, young family? Oh, I don't know if I have any advice for that. I'm in the midst of it myself. So I have a mm-hmm. six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old. So then what are you sensing inside of yourself to what you need to do for your, for your children? Well, they're not going to like sit down and let me teach them a sermon. So <laughs> I don't know what to do. So I am loving them and making sure they feel loved and safe at home. And as they grow older, I'm going to ask people whose kids seem to have turned out really well that I respect. I'm going to ask them what they did and copy mm-hmm. off of them. Mm-hmm. We're, we're seeing a shift in, 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 in our generation of a lot of people trying things out with sexuality. What's the dangers of, of trying things out just for the sake of, oh, my friend's doing it, so I, I've got to try it? Um. The danger is the danger of, of all sin, of all kinds, which is the further you get in, the harder it is to get out. Uh-huh. And the further you get in, the harder it is to repent and change your mind. And that's true with 
drugs, alcohol, and arrogance and greed. I don't see it as any different, at least in that, in that way of things. And I think that the self-confidence of, well, I can try this and not do it again, whatever it is in any category, I think is not accurate to the way humans actually are. Mm. Humans are really bad at doing something, enjoying it, and then not doing it again. I just, not even spiritually, I just think that that's a social fallacy. I just don't, I, I don't think people are very good at that. I certainly am not, so. I think this conversation is, is, a, is a much needed conversation right now. Um, you're noticing it probably in the States. We're noticing it definitely in Canada where this idea of sexuality, where it can be flippant, it can be uh, one day I feel this, one day I feel that. Um, and my heart is kind of just kind of pulled in directions of just wanting people to understand that they are seen by a God that sees them and says, I made you. And I actually love you so much that I sent my son for you to kind of purify you and also call you son or daughter. And Lena, I just want to say thank you so much for this conversation. I know you could probably talk days and days and days around it. Is there anything else in your heart that you want to share before we, we take off? No, I just wanted to thank you for having me and I appreciate it. And God bless you, man. Thanks, dude. I really appreciate you being here. Um, is there any way that people can connect with you? Like maybe you're a big YouTuber now. I've been following you for a bit. <laughs> On the YouTubes. Um, what do they you search? Can, you can type Pastor Landon into YouTube because I grew up Baptist. So that's what I called my channel. And you, you can, uh, I'm on Instagram, Landon. I am Landon McDonald, I think is mm -hmm. the thing. And um, come hang. Come hang if you want. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Okay, Landon. Thanks so much, buddy. Have a good one. I don't know about you, but I truly love these types of conversations. Landon, again, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Uh, I really do believe this is actually going to touch a lot of people's hearts and get them thinking. I know listening back to this conversation and actually exiting that conversation with him that I had so many more questions in my mind. And uh, I really hope that you'll be able to wrestle with this conversation, maybe identify with a few things and just see that Landon's heart is for people to understand uh, that God sees them, that he knows you, that he cares for you, and that there is redemption in every story possible. I love that idea of going back to the beginning, noticing that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. How incredible is it to see that an identity can, can be wrapped up in that sentence and phrase and we can proclaim it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's such a great conversation. Today's podcast has been sponsored by Lively Film Creations. If you're looking to get a video done for your business, wedding, music video, anything creative that you've got going on in your mind and your heart, Lively Film Creation is that professional production company based out of Grand Bend, Ontario, specializing in cinematic quality videos. They provide and deliver quality. Trust me, I've used them. I've actually worked with them a little bit as well. And uh, they are a professional media company and it's what exactly what you need if you've got anything that you need to pull off be sure to contact them through facebook instagram or by email everything will be linked in the show notes and if you do 
go to Lively Film Creations from the Make Wake podcast. Make sure you use the phrase Make Wake Promo 15 and they'll give you a 15% discount on anything that you are working when you email, DM, or call them. All of that is linked in the show notes. Today's podcast is also brought to you by SGCA. Contact this team for all of your logo design, signage, vehicle wrapping, and all of those needs to get your business out there with signage. They've been helping entrepreneurs since 2005. SGCA is located in Clinton, Ontario, and Pete and his team there are just so down to help you make your dreams come true when it comes to logo design, wrapping vehicles, promotion, with any type of sign that you need. Make sure you check them out on Instagram because trust me, their content is funny, hilarious, but is also stunning, absolutely stunning. All of their stuff is linked in the show notes as well. And I just gotta say, thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you don't mind, please, actually, you know what? Do it. Just do it. Make sure you rate and you leave a, uh, a description of really what you enjoyed about today's podcast or any other podcast episode that you've listened to. Uh, it really does a lot for the podcast, getting the name out there. And uh, I know I would love it. And I know and I believe more people need to hear these conversations that we're having here at the Make Wake Podcast. So again, thank you so much. And I hope you have an incredible day with whatever you are up to. Peace out.